All right. Boom. Hit that. Hit that. Here we go. Three, two, one. All right. We welcome you back in. It's another edition of Bourbon Biscuits and Barn Burners. And Chris Kerber, John Hadley, Tim Woodburn with you. If you have been checking out the podcast, we appreciate you downloading and listening. Tell your friends about it as we just get into, frankly, hardcore hockey. And that's the whole point of this. And, uh, and share some stories and maybe as well. Um, the bourbon, the whiskey, the, the scotches, whatever we, we find favorable, we throw that in there because of the title, and frankly, it's fun. Have you guys ever heard, and by the way, and, and for those that don't know who uh, my, my compadres on this podcast are, Tim Woodburn, longtime hockey play-by-play man. He's been everything from a publisher, an editor, uh, a hockey executive, a hockey play-by-play man, he, a private investigator. And so, tons of experience in the business. And John Hadley, of course, a longtime content editor and managing editor for the Sporting News, for uh, Fox, for CBS, television broadcasts as well, and a longtime radio host and now owner in the St. Louis area. So, um, we've got all the bases covered for you. Hey, have you guys... Well, first, of all, first of all, just just to make sure to cover the bases, an associate editor, not managing editor, and a editorial consultant, not a managing editor for TV. So just technical. And also, I just want to make sure that everybody knows I'm a public investigator. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and, 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 and in my commitment to accuracy for this podcast, you failed to disclose that I am a former roller skating rink DJ and beer vendor at Bush Stadium. Ah. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. You know what? You on roller skates is something I actually will pay to see. Uh, listen, I'm a big dude now, but I was uh, a mere shadow of my former self years ago, and I was a really good roller hockey player, like really good. Hey, um, listen, I got. I want to start the. I'm going to start the podcast off uh, real quick here with uh, with kind of a, a whiskey that's worth trying. And, and I know, I think some people, when I tell you this, they're going to go, "Okay, you're no longer uh, you're no longer part of my whiskey drinking world." All right. But but I'm, I'm gonna do this so I so we I don't run out of time at the end. Sometimes we run out of time, but in, in this one, I'm gonna have you guys ever heard of Screwball? Oh yeah, yeah. okay. Peanut butter whiskey. The the peanut butter American whiskey. I gotta tell you guys something. Like I am not a big fan of kind of the of the maple infused, the maple flavored ones, right? But I tried this peanut butter uh, whiskey Screwball. Holy crap! I'm like, it's like all right, it's like I, crap. Stop thinking it's like crap. Oh my goodness! It's, it's that good. It, it is. It really is that good. Now there are some other peanut butter ones. Now I'm willing to try, but I'm, I'm telling you, it like, you know, you're absolutely right. Like so, the other day I'm like, I'm like, okay, I got to go down. I'm feeling, you know, let's let's wind the day down. Yeah, you know what? I'd like some of that. I was out. I was so mad. The next day I went out and I bought two bottles of it to make sure I don't run out. I not only know a friend who is a huge. Screwball, screwball peanut butter guy, but he is also, and it's sort of, it's sort of interesting because herbs. That's a very affordable whiskey. Oh yeah, but but he bucks. is also, yeah, he is also a big fan of a very expensive whiskey that, just like the peanut butter, is stuck in my mind. I haven't had it myself for diabetic reasons, but the other name that sticks in my mind that he's a big fan of because he'll have a couple bottles of the affordable screwball peanut butter whiskey. He loves something called whistle pig. Honestly, oh. God, that's the name of the, that's the name of the whiskey. Whistle yes. pig. Yeah. Where, so, where do they come up with these names? I don't know. The, the, you know what? Okay. Here's, here's what I'm going to do for the next podcast. Sorry. Right, so whistle, whistle pig is actually good and they've got rise. Um, I've got a, I've got a 10 year old rye here at the house. Um, I've, I've got some six year old whiskey, whistle pig as well. They, they've got, they've got some, uh, I think Black Barrel. They've got some different ones, but for the next podcast, I'll do some research on the name and the history behind the naming of Whistle Pig. But uh, that, that's actually a good brand we haven't gotten into. But I'm, but I'm telling you is, something. Well, go ahead. No, I was just. I, I will say, when it comes to the peanut butter, I always feel, I always feel compelled to throw this out. I had the fortune of working with two guys at Fox Sports who came from Canada. And went back to Canada. Two of the truly nicest guys I've run across who are truly incredibly talented, incredibly talented people. Um, I think, I, I think unfortunately, one of them just lost his job up in Canada. They, you know, they're, they're huge up in Canada, huge. 
they uh, they uh, they hosted the sports center did together I believe hosted the sports center up there and they hosted uh, several shows here in the states at Fox including an evening show. Oh, you're, you're talking. And, uh... Yeah, and, and unfortunately, they, they just made some changes at TSN. You're talking uh, right. Dan and Jay. Yeah. 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 Jay Onrod oh and God, uh, Dan Yeah. Their show up on TSN was fantastic. Like, it was it was genuinely funny, and it was the way you would want to watch sports, the, the show those guys did. Yeah. yeah. If I, I, I truly believe this. They were before their time when they came to the States. With the way that Fox Sports, or in specific, FS1, has established itself, if they were back today, I assure you, they would take off. They, they, they might be, in all seriousness, the single best sports tandem I've ever watched, and two of the nicest guys who sipped from the cup of success, and I broached them because they turned me on to Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey, <laughs> and I will admit that on occasion, when I cheat, it's still because of the taste of Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. I don't know what the quality of it is. I don't know what it costs. I'm sure it's not considered to be an elite brand, but dead gum, it tastes so good every time that when I think I, uh, when I the, the cinnamon Fireball and uh, the peanut butter uh, whiskey are two that stick in my mind. Uh, I've not had the peanut butter, but this is the, uh, the fireball cinnamon. And I, I'm assuming that there's other fireballs, but it's the one in particular, the cinnamon yeah. that, uh, well, that, that uh, Jay and Dan turned me on to was so to, good. And to our listeners who don't like whiskey, and there are probably some out there, I recommend it was $2 back in 1988. It's a cool $9.75 now at your friendly ballpark arena. Hey, call me a cobot! Hey, call me a cobot! You there? He still still has it, man. That's pretty good. He still got it. You know what? You should do a reunion tour at Bush, Tim. We can make this happen, John. We can give Tim a reunion day as a beer caller. And whoever buys from it, like like the proceeds from Tim selling beer, uh, we we get Anheuser-Busch to match it or something. And every beer that Tim sells, like the proceeds go to a charity or something like that. I think we should do it. It, very, it, took, very it, took, it took me a year to figure out I had to bribe the dude who was handing out assignments because he would give everybody Bush beer was sold to eighty percent of the vendors and Bud Light had just come out and so you know Bud Light was the hot ticket everyone Bud Light Bud Light and by the way Bush Stadium the only place in the world where vendors don't sell the name of their product you can't find a Bush beer in Bush Stadium it's hard you got to go to like one of the clubs all the no you no not Bush anymore Light, Bud Light not anymore. You can get a bush because I, I did it on opening day. You can you can grab bush and bush light at, at those grab and goes now in in the in the big oh, cans too, okay. in like in like the well, massive size cans. Right, the vendors don't sell. So my first year as a beer vendor, I got stuck selling bush, and then I realized I saw the guy take a five from somebody, he gave him the Bud Light, and then the second year I had to bribe the guy five bucks every game, but he gave me the Bud Light, and I made better money. <laughs> Very nice. There are a couple, and Tim, you may actually. You may even remember knowing them, uh, if not by name at this point, because some time has passed. But there are, there were two walk around concession, you know, beer vendors and Coke vendors. And one was I. Re- there was a time we went to the ball game, and again, I'm I'm the second of nine kids, right? So a huge a huge family. We go down. My dad takes us all down to the game, right? And we're so we're sitting in the upper deck at the old Bush Stadium, and. This guy is walking around. He goes, anybody want a sodi with a free yeah. straw? And, well, this yeah. guy, and, and, and he's pretty famous in terms of people that went to enough games. And it was a great gimmick. Well, this guy came around, and he realized, oh, man, do I have a section here? Because if any time Dad went to buy one soda, he had to buy ten of them. Right? So about night. two or three times during the game, he came back, and uh, and, and Dad just absolutely made his night because it was two or three sodas for each of us over the course of the game. The other guy his name was, Mar- was Marion uh, okay. because he and I used to work because the first year I was here I sold soda and uh, his name was Marion and he and I would compare tickets at the other night and we would have a bet on who sold more soda and it was about 50 50. I, I used to bust comebacks in those days but uh, that was his big stick with the free straw Mary Mar- I remember Marion to this day and then the other guy was a shorter guy and he'd walk around to sell the bud light and he'd go bud light 
Bud Light. I mean, and it would be, I mean, that it, it was just like, it was, he was like a chihuahua hawking, you know, hawking this stuff. But when he'd walk, you'd hear him if you're listening to the games and you'd hear him when he'd walk underneath the radio booth area where the crowd mic was. And I mean, it was just awesome because you'd hear this Bud Light. And, uh, and, and he was another one that whenever we were around or, and when I had my season tickets, we made sure we tried to buy from him. And the Blues have one now. There's a guy at the Blues game now. And, you know, the vendors are supposed to walk the stands, you know, and walk the concourse. You're not just supposed to, like, stand still and wait for customers to come by. But this guy gets away with it, and he puts his, he puts his uh, tub on top of a trash dumpster, you know, one of those square things that, where the fans throw their concession garbage away, and he just stands there. And it's right near one of the ticket entrances. And every about every five seconds, he just goes, "Who's thinking about drinking? Who's thinking about drinking?" And he and he just stands there. And there's a line of people because he tells them jokes and stuff. And he as he's wisecracks, you know, people are like taking people are taking selfies with him and stuff. It's hilarious. That almost sounds like it's part of the Canadian national anthem. Those ones. Oh man. Well, listen, I'll, t- I'll tell you so. So real quick, back to the fireball. That is good stuff. That that's kind of like. Uh, that that that's kind of like getting your liquid form of your Mike and Mike's hot tamales in uh, uh, in you. But 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 back to the original one. Listen, first off, the one thing that we are not on this podcast or outside of the podcast is any type of whiskey or Scotch snobs in any way. If you like it neat, drink it neat. You like it with a little water dropped into it? Do that. You want it on the rocks? Do it. It's however you like it, and that's that's the best part of, uh, about kind of getting into the whiskey, the spirits, the the scotches, and you know, and, and the bourbons and trying them because there are some you wouldn't like. Now, I told you, my wife who my wife is now drinking Woodford Reserve, the double oaked. She's drinking it on the rocks, and this was somebody who not that long ago didn't like whiskeys, right? And then she'll add a little amaretto to it to make what's called a godfather if, if, if she's not in the mood to drink it straight. But I'm telling you, and, and this, this goes for some of the flavored ones. I'm not a big fan of the maple ones. It doesn't mean somebody's not. And if you are, for God's sakes, love it and enjoy it. But that screwball peanut butter whiskey, and Tim's right. I mean, it's sort of like the same, whatever the hell they put in the Krispy Kreme, you know, icing, that kind of thing. It it is fantastic and worth it. It's it's a it's a it is a terrific way to kind of end after dinner or or if you're just looking for something different because it's that dang good. I think. And Tim, my interpretation, I would like yours as well, with the lovely Chrissy beginning to drink a lot of uh, various whiskeys. I think my interpretation is Herbs is finally getting on her nerves. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> I'd like to say a uh, screwball goes down a lot better than whiskey does. Whis- whiskey, uh, screw, uh, that fireball, you do a shot of that stuff, and you get that nature boy Ric Flair. Woo! Coming out <laughs> after you throw one of them down. Yep. I swear, I love- uh, that, is the, that is the only other drink that I think could fool a person because it's so easy for me to drink because it tastes so good that I could very easily drink too much of it, just like a Long Island iced tea. I stay away from Long Island iced teas because they're doing damage you don't see coming until it's too late. All right, this may be my favorite episode of our podcast yet because it's dyslexic, all right? And it feels right, okay? I'm dyslexic, right? So, um, and and I literally, just about an hour... um, we're going through the process of determining some educational needs for for my youngest daughter, right? And so my wife, who's a school teacher, um, she's always said, "Geez, you've got ADHD, like two of your kids." And I and so she downloads and and we, she prints out here like the adult evaluation, like the self evaluation for this, right? And uh, and I go to fill it out, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like, what a real like. Okay, can't sit still, always moving. I mean, it's, those are the basic ones, but then concentration, you name it. So, but but anyway. That leads so so sometimes we save our barn burners towards the end and we haven't even gotten into the blues and the NHL yet, but but um but I've I've got my barn burner for you and I can't freaking remember what the hell the story was. <laughs> you know what's what, hey, what, no, John. what were you just saying? You John. you John, what were you just saying here? I can't like the, okay, I need to put that on my ADHD checklist. I was hey John, but before we got you on the phone, Curb was talking to me and he ran off on about nineteen different subjects in about forty five seconds. I said, Chris, can you spell ADD? And Chris goes, Chris, talk about first, and he goes, A 
see, hey, look at that butterfly. <laughs> yeah. See? Wait, John, help me, help me. This was a good burn burner. What in the heck did you just say? I, I was just, I was referencing your lo- lovely wife and her, her penchant now for, for drinking whiskey out of the bottle. Yeah, you know, that's how we were talking, and then it brought something to mind. Um, I, I don't, you were talking about you were talking about maple flavor. The only maple maple flavor whiskey I ever saw, I think, was is there something called Knob Creek? Yeah, yes, they, yeah, they do have one. Yep, they they, they yeah, do have. I one. always I, I always thought to myself, who the hell would want maple flavored liquor? I just didn't get it. I mean, it's just. And, I, and then I thought, not free. I mean, I, I literally one of the one of the things that fascinates me most when it comes to liquor are the names of the companies or the product. Well, Jim Beam makes one. It tastes like it tastes like uh, pancake syrup. It, it, I, that's it, what I figure. It's almost too sugary. That's that's what I'm thinking. I mean, the only time I want maple involved is when it includes pork sausage or pancakes. Nice. Geez, I had a terrific barn burner to throw out there, and I can't even remember. I can't even get back on track. Once we get through some blues talk, it'll come to you, bud. It'll oh, come to you. Man. And that's it's kind of funny as all hell that I was talking about the ADHD stuff, and that's when I forgot it. <laughs> you can't. You have a logical. Okay, you cannot freaking write that, can you? Like, you cannot no, write that. You know, you just, you, you, you're dealing with an issue. I'm just three molten short of a six pack. That's all. Oh man! Well, I definitely like the way we were going backwards on something that felt right. I'm dead convinced. Okay, so th- this was not the story I was going to tell, but I'll share it with you. So I'm learning how to drive. I'm driving, and uh, we lived in Chesterfield Hill subdivision, right there, just west of 141 on the uh, south outer road from Highway 40, right? And uh, th- that's where we were living when I turned 16. So I come out of the subdivision, we turn right to go to start heading up to 141 there, and. Uh, I'm driving, my mom's in the right seat, and I look in the rear view mirror, and I'm like, ah, that's a really cool car behind us, Mom. I think they brought it over from England. And she goes, she looks over the shoulder, she looks at the car behind us, she goes, what are you talking about? I go, well, look at it. The driver's on the wrong side. And she just looks over at me, she says, pull over, and she kicked me out of the driver's seat, and she drove the rest of the way. Because to me, the way it looked in the mirror looked like it had been reversed, and I just, my mind didn't flip it. So I said, oh, they must have gotten that car from England and because uh, the driver's on the wrong side. And I was looking in the rearview mirror, and she says, all right, that's it. Pull off into the parking lot and kicked me out of the driver's seat. This episode is answering so many questions for me. Curbs, <laughs> I'm just curious. The sound system on those short buses, was it a good sound system on those short buses, or was it the speakers, did the speakers suck? Hey, listen, you're the one that got an earbud jammed so far in your ear you thought it was a spider and had to go almost go get it surgically removed. So be careful. Yeah. Tread lightly, you dancing DJ. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to be doing the couple skate after this one for New Kids on the Block. Wait, were, were you, was it at Queenie Park? Where was it here in town? No, I was in Columbia when I was at Mizzou. It was at the oh. Forum Skating Station. They had a, they had a, they had a uh, marketing uh, song. The Forum Skating Station, it's wheel fun. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I had to play that song every time we had, like, a game where we did the limbo or the, the hokey pokey or whatever, or the backwards game or a couple skates. When it was time to go back to, ever, to everybody's skate, I had to play this little 30-second jingle. To bring everybody back onto the floor, and that's how it ended. The floor is wheel fun. So pathetic, it's brilliant. I know. Well, work for 12 year Well, all I know is 20 minutes in, I can't remember what the hell I was trying to tell you that story about, but so be it. It'll come back to me. If not, we'll save it for another one. Hey, uh, how about starting this one broad, fellas? Tim Woodburn, John Hadley with us. It's bourbon biscuits and barn burners. And how about the fact that today, as we record this, the Seattle Kraken is officially a team in the National Hockey League. They can sign, they can trade, they've made their final payment to the NHL. So Ron Francis can start going to work, and that's going to be a fun and interesting next, I think, two months to three months to see how the Seattle Kraken take shape in the National Hockey League. Where is their first-round draft pick? What, what number? I don't know, know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. A wise man told me, what time? Don't ask a question on the air. You don't know the answer. <laughs> like, I, want to submit, I don't want us all look stupid instead of just me. <laughs> Kraken 
draft. Pick. I am pumped to get to oh, actually they're the begin. lottery. So they they have the third best pick at landing the number one overall pick. So they're in they're in with all the rest of the non playoff teams. Okay, now I got it. Gotcha. Which thankfully will not be the beloved St. Louis Blues because about the only thing that hasn't changed with that team is Zach Stanford. He still sucks. The rest of the team has been phenomenal. Okay, wait a wait. You know what? <laughs> all right, wait. But we're we're gonna we'll get we'll get back into your punching bag there in a minute, John. But look, something would be very very wrong, in my opinion, if the Seattle Kraken ended up with the first overall pick. Oh, I think the best they can do is the third overall pick. The best they could do is a third overall pick. Yeah, that's what I read. Okay. Well, I, I I thought I thought what we read originally was that they entered the draft lottery well, I, at the I third slot. So I if I take it back, they have to. I take it back. You're right. I am correct. They have the third best odds at landing the number one overall pick. Right. Okay. So let let's break this down. So so the National Hockey League has changed the draft rules as well, and this this one's actually really kind of important. And I do think that this is that this is positive. I, I agree. Brian Burke was all over this for a while. You know, I'm not sure that a team that finished fifteenth should have and should all of a sudden be able to jump to the number one overall pick, all right? But at the same time, and, and that's what they changed it. So now you've got to be in the top ten. This is why if you were the St. Louis Blues and you were going to miss the playoffs, for crying out loud, don't miss the playoffs as 11 through 15. Either get bad right. enough to be in the top ten and give yourself a chance or or make the playoffs. And it looks like making the playoffs is becoming more of the the realistic, and, and I prefer that. Having said that... Just to, just, to finish this, just to finish this off real quick, they can do no worse than five overall in the first round and then after that they're the third slot in every round after that two through seven yeah so the the, where I do think though and I'm glad that this is changing is the situation of the Edmonton Oilers the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Buffalo Sabres over the last 12 years right their their teams have been so bad that for the first over for the Edmonton Oilers to have had as many first overall picks in the last twelve years, thirteen years, and frankly include let's say as many top five picks is just a crock. And I'll go back to the fact that the St. Louis Blues in two thousand six fell to the first overall pick, and they did. They had the first overall pick the first year. They had the ninth overall pick the second year after that. Then they had the fourth overall pick, and then next thing you know, they started to roll again. Then you had 2010. They ended up with the 13th, I'm sorry, the 14th overall pick. That's when they took Jaden Schwartz. They then traded David Runblad to the Ottawa Senators for the 16th pick in that same draft. They took Vladimir Tarasenko, and the team was off and running. The fact that you have teams that can go from worst in the league and having absolutely nothing organizationally to build on to at least the competitive nature that the Blues did because of Yarmo Kekalainen's drafting of David Perron, of Eric Johnson, of of uh, David Backus and TJ Oshie, right? I mean, and getting some value picks all throughout there, that that is huge. It, it's frankly, it's it's unacceptable and insane as bad as Toronto, Edmonton, and and now Buffalo still is for that long. So it's it's great that they're no longer going to be rewarded with being able to get multiple first overall picks in a certain window. I'm, I'm all in favor of that. Well, when you look at the quality uh, that was available to the Vegas Golden Knights, I mean, my goodness, the, the guys they got in that expansion draft, William Carlson, Jonathan Marcheseau, Mark Andre Fleury, David Perron, you know, I mean, they got, they got, studs in that draft and when I look at mock drafts for the Kraken and, and as we specifically talk about the St. Louis Blues you know I, I had somebody who played in the NHL that I'm, I'm a decent acquaintances with and he's listened to this podcast before and he said he asked me a question today and I was like you know wow that's that I hadn't even thought of that he said do you think the Blues would expose Tarasenko and you know, I said, why would you say that? He's like, he's not the player he used to be, three surgery. His shooting percentage is in the six-point-something area. Every other forward on the team is, is like 10 or higher. I mean, he's like in the Marco Scandella, Justin Falk shot percentage range. You know, he's not the dynamic player every night just getting one or two or three quality chances a night. He's, he's still a good player, but he's not that elite player, but he makes that elite salary. Do you think they would dare expose him? And I, I honestly said, my, my response to him was three question marks. It's a it's an interesting question. It's it's not. I don't think it's likely at all, but it's not far fetched. And the one thing that the Blues have that they have not done is they've never given they have not given anybody a no movement clause. 
Okay, so anybody could be exposed, and that's important. Now, the other thing to remember, remember, see, we, we talked a lot, like, it'd be pretty wild if, you know, the Seattle Kraken were able to pick Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, but he has a no-movement clause, number one, and number two, the Vegas Golden Knights don't participate in this expansion draft. I'm not wow. so, I got to be honest with you, I'm not so sure because of the type. So they changed the expansion draft rules, right, that, that, prevented teams from protecting as many good players. And and the reason was, is when you were paying a $500 million entry fee, the league felt that that team should have a chance to be a lot more competitive sooner than, say, Columbus and Minnesota and Nashville and Atlanta were, which were the four most recent expansion teams in the National Hockey League prior to Las Vegas. Having said that, you're now talking about a team, right, that is... Four years into the National Hockey League, with that, and and they've had good. I, I'm not. I, I think I would have liked this rule if if the Seattle Kraken were coming in one or two years later, but they've already gotten to the point that they fired a coach and done other things that uh, I'm I'm not so sure that that frankly Vegas should be. I don't I don't know that I totally buy into the fact that Vegas that 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 Las Vegas shouldn't have to expose somebody. That's going to be very difficult to change. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it isn't going to change, but but I'm just saying it would be. That's that's an interesting. All right, we'll get well one of these next couple of weeks here. We'll we'll get a little bit more into the topic of uh, uh, debating uh, whether or not uh, certain Blues players should be exposed or not. We got a lot of other stuff to get into though. But it's, if, I, uh, if I can say one, if I can say one thing now, yeah, I am very excited for the sport that it's entered the Seattle market. Oh, you're not because obviously that has become a valuable market. It further enhances the West Coast movement of this league, and I assure you, most of TV networks like having Seattle aboard. You know, I I, when when you see Vegas and Seattle, if nothing else, what they've done is heighten the presence and significance of this sport west of the Mississippi, and I, I think that's huge for this league. I really do. You know, you put that one of the other big things that's happened since our last uh, show, guys, is the return of hockey to ESPN and now the new Turner deal. So they were looking for a second broadcast partner. Depending on the reports you read, some, some feel that the, the National Hockey League was probably looking for another, you know, $100 million a year on these deals, but COVID uh, may have impacted that, along with the fact that the deals last year in the NFL came up. But I'm actually excited for the new TV package. I'm excited that the games are back on ESPN. I'm excited that the, with what TBS can do. And what makes me most excited about these games now on TBS, I and, and I really, truly hope this happens. I hope they create a show for hockey like what TBS has done for Inside the NBA. Because that show and John you and I have talked about this for years that show that inside the NBA show is the best sports show on in the United States it's better than anything on ESPN ESPN 2 it is that show individually on its own is the best sports show and and it's because of the personalities they've got people that aren't afraid to say their mind but I mean you're talking they they brought in greats too. I mean, and it's greats breaking down the game. I the, I really hope that the, that TBS creates something like that. That we have needed something like that so bad in the United States, and I hope we finally get it. Well, you said curbs the personalities. Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith make that show. You know, the the, the people that are on like the NBC Sports uh, pregame show and intermission shows. You know, they had some outspoken people, Jeremy Roenick and Mike Milbury, and got rid of them for various reasons. And and now, you know, it's it's very vanilla. Anthony Carter, Mike Babcock, Keith Jones is okay, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to make you laugh, or he's not going to guy that's going to yuck it up with you. He's kind of Joe Friday, just the facts man kind of guy. They they need to find some 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 personalities. Just to throw one out there, like Steve Ott, uh, who who has. Who's a wisecracker and, and who's not afraid to, to throw a punch and take a punch on on a show like that to make it like must see TV like the like the inside the NBA show is. So I'm going to tell you yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, but sorry, John, I'm going to tell you right now who I think TBS needs to hire and put on that show. Kelly Chase. Well, you know he was you know 
he, he's got a very dry sense of humor. I enjoyed listening to him with you for all those years. Um, I know he's a much different off the air than he was on the air. You know, I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm going with this curve. I mean, his personality was, was uh, a little more gregarious off the air, although he was still pretty good on the air. But but he is a guy that would be like Barkley, you know, and, and he, would, yeah. he would throw that punch and not be afraid to throw that punch. I, I just don't know that his delivery uh, is as, uh, uh, I don't know, is, is, is as gargantuan as Barkley is. You know, Barkley is almost to the point of outrageous, and I don't know that Kelly would ever quite get to that level. Uh, I, I think I, not only do I think he'd get to that level, I, I think he'd be excellent because he, the one thing that, the one thing Chaser, the, the one thing that Chaser won't do is hold back. He never did. I mean, he got himself into plenty of trouble. Like, he got him. The ownership group at the time suspended him from a flight. Wouldn't let him fly down to the team when he got all over the team about not responding in the next game against San Jose after Joe Thornton leveled David Perron and put David Perron out with that concussion. Right? Like, he he was never afraid to really speak his mind. I mean, he called, I think he called Dan Hynote once an imposter and it nearly started a fight outside the uh, Colorado Avalanche uh, locker room. You know, when uh, when Scott Parker just started just, you know, barking at Chaser after when Chaser was walking past the room after that comment. Like, there were, there were some things like that that, uh, um, and if it wasn't Dan Hino, I can't because, and, and we all grew to really enjoy Danny Hino here. I, I don't remember, I think it was, but I don't remember who he called when he was with Colorado. But anyway, um, I think he has that factor. The other thing, and John, John, this is actually, back to how we started this podcast today, you... Like you've dealt so much on the TV side of things. When I say this, I say this with all due respect to a lot of the great guys and many of whom we know that are on NHL Network uh, and on some of the NHL television side of things, even the NBC side of things. But the one thing that the National Hockey League hasn't done is the NHL did not put enough of a financial commitment, in my opinion, to its talent. And the reason is, is if I turn on the NFL Network... Man, I got I got I got NFL greats and Hall of Famers mixed in with some great personality of some players that weren't as skilled at, at that level. That that breaks the game down differently. If if I'm watching the NBA, I'm hearing from the I mean, we just talked about it. Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley, right? Amongst others. In a lot of ways for the National Hockey League, it's our it's our tough guys, our fourth liners, our, you know, in, in many cases a backup goaltender. Right or, or whatever it may be, and and what what I think we're missing from is we're sometimes we're missing that high end analysis. For example, if you sit in the stands, and and this is something that the Blues have, the St. Louis Blues have the only Hall of Famer as an analyst on TV in the National Hockey League, the only one. Right? If if you sit in the stands watching Blues practice. And you sit, for example, and it, it, let's say I sat with Panger, Kelly Chase, and Bernie Federico. When Panger breaks down the game, he gives you what his uh, opinion was like from the eye of a guy that played the position as a goalie. Chaser, same thing, played the position as a forward, you know, and, and in the role that his chaser played. Bernie breaks it down sometimes to the level of, yeah, but when that passes in your skate, it's got to go to your stick. You're in the National Hockey League. Or did you see the where that wrist shot came off? It came off of this part of his stick. Like, it's just, it's a different level of thinking because he played the game at a different level. And we need, I think, more of that high levelness in some of the analysis on a national level in the National Hockey League. I think it's a very fair assessment. I mean, TB. TBS will probably be the one to bring that element to the game, which will just heighten everything else because that's what they've done. I, I don't think there's one sports entity, and I mean necessarily, I don't think there's one sports entity that has done more for studio shows in the last 25 years than TBS. Um, because back when they had college football, they had a terrific uh, – with baseball, they brought, brought in Pedro Martinez, who oh, was yeah. really good. Yeah. And really that's, good. That's a great point. Their baseball coverage, they did the same thing. Yeah. You know, so I, I – I, it's, again, this whole show is proving ironic because most of what you're discussing and bringing up are things that sort of just um, – that, that was the very first thing I saw – I thought of when I saw that was wow 
that's interesting because I'm curious to see what they do with their studio show. Because I, I can tell you this much. That studio show will not be made up of fourth liners and fighters. Now, I'm sure there's going to be an entertaining guy. And, you know, when it comes, when it comes to entertainment and talking hockey, mixing fun and shedding opinion, um, I don't think there's anybody who knows Kelly Chase that would deny that's virtually his forte. That's, I mean, it's, it's almost perfect, you know, in, in a sense. Because I could see him being, um, you know, I could see him being one of those guys in that studio that's putting a smile on your face, uh, but teaching you the game, but not necessarily in, in the way of X's and O's. You know, Kenny Smith does the X's and O's right. on that show. And he's basically, you know, he's a straight man for Charles and, and for Shaq. Um, I, I could see, I, 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 I would be shocked if it's not an individual like Kelly Chase, um, a, a lighthearted individual as the host, and two monster names. And when you sit there and you think of the monster names, you know, I mean, I, 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 I would, do I think a guy like Wayne Gretzky? No, but I think Mark Messier. Yeah, well, you know, here's the, okay, so one, one step further with this. One of the reasons I say this, and again, this comes across, I know this is going to sound a little more insulting than, than it, it's not intended in any way, okay? But Mike Rupp, for example, trying to break down for us why Sidney Crosby could be in a, a scoring slump and what he has to do to get out of it just doesn't gel, right? It, it, it's just not the same thing. You know, as somebody that that, that played the game at, at a much higher level, Right, and it's got nothing to do about Mike Rupp's intelligence of the game, his knowledge, and all that other stuff. Right? Okay, but 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 those guys trying to break down for the fans what Sidney Crosby might be going through, I don't think they can put themselves in that same spot. To be honest with you, that that's the no, kind of thing I'm no. talking about, and and that's where that's right. where you, that's where you have to have a little bit. And, and hockey is so unique to this front, okay? Because if you think about it, in all these other sports. We celebrate, like, we always celebrate the greatness. We celebrate the greatness, right? Well, hockey's a sport where the blue-collar player is a hero, too. And that's the neat part about it. It might be it might be the, the way Ty Domi played the game or, or Tony Twist or Kelly Chase, right? You know, but but you can celebrate that aspect of the game because it's just as important. I mean, look at what we we, we spent. We the St. Louis Blues won an entire championship, and, and we're we're constantly raving about a line of Alexander Steen, Oscar Sundquist, and Ivan Barbashev, right? And they and they were just as important to winning that championship as Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron and Braden Shen, and and so we seem to celebrate that aspect of the game. So if you're going to put a panel together. That panel has to consist of all of those kinds of elements, you know. It, trying to have trying to have a defenseman or a forward break down the goaltending isn't going to work. We're going to need a goaltender in there. We're going to need a star in there. We're going to kind of need a plumber. And I think we'll get great chemistry if you have that. But hockey's one of those sports that needs all of it. As long as it's not a scum sucking Blackhawk, I don't care. <laughs> Pick me the best of the best. <laughs> Hey, Patrick Sharp was on the uh, Stanley Cup Finals uh, uh, pre and the intermission and post game show the year the Blues won the Cup, Hadley. So maybe that's not such a bad omen. Uh, maybe it's not. You're saying. All right, still John. Him outside uh, Enterprise, by the way, uh, that year when that happened, and he even yucked up. He was talking about on the air about how the fans are still giving him crap for being a Blackhawk, even though he's there, you know, as a, as a neutral member of the NHL broadcast team. I thought it was hilarious. John, let's jump into the blues yes. here for a minute. All right. Can, can, so, I, can I say one other? Can I say just one other thing about the TV thing? Really, you can say whatever you want. Just make some sense. With <clears> it. <laughs> I, that I can't guarantee. Oh, I got. I got. I'm going on the under on that one. But I, I, I'll tell you. I, I'll tell you what. Right now, considering that they, considering that they all played, you know, at, at various locations, what are considered by those in St. Louis to be hometown boys, if you put together a panel of Brett Hall, Chris Pronger, and Kelly Chase, that'd be a hell of a studio team, boys. Well, yeah, it would. 
Yes, yes, it would. Apparently, about a seven-second delay on there. I think that would that 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 would have to be. Well, look, ESPN experienced something amazing when they put Brett Hull and Chris Chelios together, right, for the World Cup. And when when the USA got knocked out early, now you had these two guys, and they unloaded on Team USA. And and ESPN's like, wait, they're our broadcast partner. Like, we don't care. And it made for amazing television. It, it really did make for some amazing television because because when those two guys were trying to break things down, who's going to argue with them? Right. Who can argue with them? I mean, that's that, that's that's the best part about it. All right. Hey, when we did our last podcast, the Blues were kind of in and out of a playoff spot. Just a, a few short games ago, they're trailing the Arizona Coyotes by one point. The Blues come in with four wins at the exact time. Two over Colorado, two over Minnesota. The Arizona Coyotes struggle, and they go to a five-point lead where now the Blues, in their final eight games, need just seven points to clinch a playoff spot. You know that you're not going to catch the the Minnesota Wild at all, so you don't even worry about that. The whole idea is get in, and get in as soon as you can because that could really give you the opportunity to rest some guys as uh, as you start to head towards the playoffs. But uh, it, it didn't come without some trials and tribulations, did it, fellas? I mean, Craig Berube had to work his lineup. He had to scratch guys. He had to claw. He had to challenge his leadership to lead. And uh, not only did Ryan O'Reilly do that, but some other guys followed. Bennington's turned his game back into a more consistent game. And, boy, did it come at the right time to save this hockey season, didn't it? Yeah. And <clears throat> I'm going to avoid uh, the negative in all seriousness, guys, Zach Sanford. Because when you get right down to it, the tenacity that this team has shown, with the exception of one guy, uh, Zach Sanford, that in, in a truest sense almost has me. And I said this to one of my radio guys literally today. This team almost has me thinking, good Lord, have they found that grit and that level that they attained for basically an entire season, half of one bit, albeit into the playoffs in the beginning of the first half of the next. Has this team found that special element that somehow, some way, collectively catapults better than the actual talent level? Because the Blues, if you just look at the six defensive players they put on the ice over the last couple games, and I'm going to include Colton Pareko, because he's abundantly clear he's not 100%. I assure you, that you would have to struggle to convince me that that's one of the best dozen uh, defensive units in the league, probably somewhere right in the middle of the league. And yet they have come up in the biggest of times with huge plays. Going through, you're sorting, it's starting to look like a guy who does have a clue, who is capable of being a quarterback. Uh, Scandella is playing as well as I have seen him play in key spurts of the game. Ortuzo's been a factor, boys. Ortuzo's been a factor in these games. I mean, we're talking about defensemen that, 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 that are playing well above their heads, collectively much better than what I would have expected, uh, especially considering the talent level. And then the biggest of the big are coming. I, I sat here, what was it, two weeks ago, talking about, you know, Ryan. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly is becoming precariously close to this generation's Brian Sutter in a, in a, in a, in a true uh, sense. And then I'm sorry. Okay. In, in, okay. In what way? Like, I, I, I think I know where you're going, but you know, there was, there was, there was a different physical element to Brian Sutter. So I, I just want to make sure that people understand where you're making that comparison. Oh, no, 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 right. No, Brian Sutter was a much tougher, more physical guy. Ryan O'Reilly's a much better skater and offensive player. My point is, Brian Sutter was one of those guys who led by example, gotcha. had guys following along because he'd come off, he'd, he'd have five, he'd be missing five teeth with a broken finger and still be spitting at the next guy on the bench. You know, Ryan O'Reilly, how can you not play for Ryan O'Reilly? If you can't play for Ryan O'Reilly and Craig Ruby, you can't play this game. I mean, the guy is the classic lead by example. The bigger the situation, the bigger you play. It's just, and then some of these guys are getting back and they're healthy. I mean, you know, I know both of you wanted to ship Steve Thomas off for a sixth round draft pick. 
But okay, I can okay, tell you first, this much first right off, now. If you're going to take a crack and try and take a crack, you got to get the guy's name right. See, once again, I did it. Jim Hewer at our radio See, station. You're not allowed to do that. Time. Yeah. You can't, Unbelievable. You can't try and rip me and Tim for actually throwing something that is a, a, an, an interesting thought out there and then try and then not get the games right. You lose. Now, here, like, here's you, a, you, here's right now, funny, you just here, say, here, I apologize, boys. Here, here's the funniest part about this. This is not the first time I've done Oh, no, I know that. The, I've the, Ram, the, Rams, the Rams had a player named Robert Thomas, who I called Steve Thomas. <laughs> he was a football player. Like I said, I said earlier, I'm three cans short of a Molson. Just call Jim Thomas. At least he's got some association. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He Thomas played with Savard and Larmer. Now the one with the with the hated Blackhawk, for God's sake. Well, he was our assistant coach too, though. I mean, he, we oh, we did well. have Stumpy as as our assistant coach for a little while. Okay. Hey, hey Tim, part of part of what's amazing about the run that the Blues went on now, and and this is so important to, for people to realize, they were winning some games with Dunn and Pareko out of the lineup, which means that you had nobody. Nobody playing on defense for the St. Louis Blues that two short years ago was playing in Game 7 against the Boston Bruins. And you're still trying to stay in a competitive window to win a Stanley Cup, and no defensemen that were in the lineup for Game 7 against the Boston Bruins were playing in that game. Well, certainly the difference between the Blues during this four-game winning streak that they have right now, you know, they only scored more than three goals one game the entire month of April, their first nine games, and that was the nine-run route of Minnesota. And now they've scored four more in four straight, and it's because so many guys slumped at the exact same time, and everybody, you know, it, when when the talent they have starts chipping in at the rate that they're expected to chip in, Shannon goal every third game, Tarasenko a goal every third game, you know, O'Reilly with a... With with a hat trick, which was spectacular, but even just a, a goal or two every now and then would be beneficial. Perron, O'Reilly, Chen, Tarasenko, Kyrou, Thomas, these guys, these guys all can't just get, you know, skunked in the same night. Somebody's got to chip in and, and do their and, and do their due diligence and, and, and do what's expected of them because this team cannot win scoring two goals because with, with all due respect to Pareko, Dunn, Falk, Krug, and, and the rest of them, Nicola, Scandella, this is not an elite core of defensemen. The, the Blues forwards are, are going to take them as far as they're going to go towards the promised land, and they've all got to chip up and step up and chip in, I should say, and, and continue to score at the point-per-game pace that they have, the collective group of the top nine that they have in the last four games. Well, and I, I, I do want to emphasize one more thing, guys. This came this, – right now, if you look at the standings, in the Blues division, God only knows what insurance company or auto dealership it's named after. Whatever the division is, you take a look at that division. Honda. You will see, you, oh, it is. See, it's a car company. So, anyhow, you, you take a look at that division. And the Blues have single-handedly not only catapulted themselves from the standpoint of playoff folks, the Blues have in total – Change the face of the division because they now have the separation with Phoenix, give Arizona. I'm sorry to give you that sense of uh, at least a comfortability level that you're not losing sleep at night. But furthermore, they have they have virtually single handedly given Las Vegas a pretty substantial division lead because Colorado and Minnesota were That's both right. playing great hockey yep. until they came up against the Blues and they. Not only Colorado, not only Colorado boys, Minnesota was right there in the running for that top spot. And after four games against the Blues, there's a six-point separation. Okay, if you are Vegas... The Blues changed the entire division, is what I'm saying. They did. If you're Vegas or Colorado, do you want to play Minnesota or St. Louis in the first round of the playoffs? No doubt Minnesota. None. None. Well, no you know, Vegas has dominated the Blues this year, and I know I don't know what their record is against Minnesota, but when, when Vegas has dominated the Blues as bad as they've dominated them this year, uh, if, if I'm uh, a Vegas broadcaster, I probably would pick the Blues. Tim, Tim, uh, hang on a minute. Let me let me throw an argument at you. Yeah, they have dominated the play at times. 
But I think like three or four of those games are one goal games going to the third period, and a lot of those games were played when the Blues didn't have some of the current players back in the lineup. Exactly, and, and it, but they end up getting blown out at the end as well. You know, to to, to throw that in there, I, and I agree. And, and you know, what's, what's interesting about this is that you know Arizona hosts Vegas tonight and tomorrow, and, Ar- and Vegas can pretty much put them out of their misery. They can shoot old Yeller out in the backyard uh, <laughs> with a bullet tomorrow night. That's, that's still uh, a know, very sad and, scene. And I know, I know. I'm trying to put some 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 comedy into the, that sad scene of old Yeller going down. But the Blues also have a pair in Vegas next week, and if they can clinch a spot prior to playing at Vegas, I'll be real interested to see uh, whether or not Baruby plays Bennington in those games, or how much how much Bennington plays after they clinch because they're not going to get third; they're going to get fourth, or they're going to be out. We all know that. And, uh, you know, they were pontificating on the national TV broadcast two nights ago against Minnesota when the Blues won that, um, you know, would Baruby have to ride Bennington out all the way to the end and play him every game? And, and sure enough, he played Puso the very next game. And I thought a, a couple goals he gave up last night were, were goals he'd like to have back. And so at, at this point, I would say if I'm correct, Baruby, I play Bennington until they clinch. Listen, if so you bring up a fascinating point here. You've got Arizona. At, at the time that we're recording today's podcast, Vegas and Arizona are about to begin a set of back-to-back. This is the last time that Arizona and St. Louis do not play on the same day until Arizona season is over. So after tonight, Arizona will be back to have played three more games than the Blues have. The St. Louis Blues will have three more games in hand on the Arizona Coyotes. All three of those games will be played, assuming there's no other COVID cancellations set to be played right now after Arizona season has ended. However, you can get to the point that if Vegas, who's already won 10 games in a row and is on absolute tear right now, if Vegas were to sweep Arizona and you beat Minnesota on Saturday night, your magic point number is one. You would need one point in your last six games, and you've got two games against Anaheim, one game against Los Angeles to clinch a playoff spot. There's a chance that come next Monday, the St. Louis Blues could clinch a playoff spot. And because there is no chance of them catching Minnesota in the standings, right, you know exactly where you're going to be. You now have lineup now. is Obviously, some of this is going to be cap-related because you don't have any cap space. So it's not like you could just pull a bunch of guys in, call them up from the taxi squad, and play them unless you've got some you know injury scenarios to, to work through. But having said that, it really does give some Blues the flexibility. And right now, with Clem Costin having finished and won the Gagarin Cup over in the KHL, getting him over here somehow by Monday or Tuesday, getting his seven-day quarantine out of the way, and getting him a few games I think is going to be enormous and could give the Blues a unique option. Because in those last... Look, you have found your game, and you have found it with Kyle Clifford and Zach Sanford being scratched. That was not supposed to happen, right? You've got Mackenzie McEachern healthy again, but I don't know exactly what he's going to add other than some speed to the, to the lineup. So a guy like Costin, if you clinch a spot and this thing doesn't get dragged out and you have the ability to play him in some scenarios that could give him some comfort, the coach some comfort, you've got some lineup options that really make a first-round matchup intriguing. And it's been fun to watch. And I'm surprised that it took him this long to do this with how many different changes he's done, all the Pythagorean theorems that you can have of, of line combinations and whatnot throughout the season. It, it's been fun to watch Thomas and Kairou play together because they're the two fastest skaters on the team, I think, at least the two fastest forwards. Uh, they both have these, you know, dipsy do dangle moves that they try and use and execute. Kairou's kind of had happy hand syndrome uh, lately, although he did score a goal the other night that I think was going about 15 miles an hour when it entered the net, but I, I still don't know how it went in. But but I, I and the fact that he threw Hoffman with him, and Hoffman's like, hey, you guys go ahead and you know, race around 150 miles an hour and do your dippy-do work in the corner. I'm just going to hang over here in the high slot, wait for that Adam Oates pass about uh, skate high to rip home on a one-timer. I'll just be hanging out over here. You guys let me know if you need me. And, uh, <laughs> and it's been fun to watch. It's, it's been fun to watch him. I'll tell you what, Mike Hoffman, uh, if ever there was a case of a guy playing for the next big contract, whoo, has this guy stepped up. Wow. Well, that and the power play's come back, and we'll save that for next week. Hopefully the power play continues. All right, Tim, th- this one's for you. I've, I've, got, a, I've got a barn burner uh, to end the show, 
and uh, and you may have one to add, or this may re- remind you of something. But I ended up getting it. I got a uh, somebody tweeted. They DM'd me today something that was it was actually really kind of cool. All right. So after the Blues win, I used the phrase "bring out the Zamboni." Right. I heard you the other night. Okay. Now after last night's overtime win, I forgot to use it. I was so wrapped up. I was so wrapped up, and you know this is a broadcast, right? I was so wrapped up in the fact that it was Ryan O'Reilly that beat the Wild again in overtime, and I could connect it to the last time these two teams played. You know, with him getting the overtime goal, that uh, that that I kind of went that route, and then it was just a natural way to end it. So as as much as you try to use it, sometimes it just doesn't fit, or it didn't work, or you tend to forget. But I get up this morning, and uh, and I'm, I'm talking to Christy, and I went, you know. I think I forgot to say bring out the Zamboni. And she goes, how could you do that? I go, I don't know. It just didn't come out. Right? I, I didn't think about it. I got a tweet from, from a mom, uh, Maria Ray, I, I believe is her name. And I got this tweet to, sent to me. It, it said, my 10-year-old daughter yelled after we scored last night, you can bring out the Zamboni. We only listen to the radio when watching the game. She goes, mom, he didn't say it. I couldn't tell if you did or not. Like, Okay, that's a cool moment as a broadcaster if, uh, you know, there's a 10-year-old kid out there, a boy or girl or something, that, that is listening intently enough to know that I did not say bring out the Zamboni. Let me, let me say something real quick here. Yeah. I will have to admit that maybe for the fourth or fifth time this year, I did not listen to you and Joey Vitale um, because of the fact that I was watching the NFL draft and had the Blues game on the TV with the sound down. But if I had been listening, and you failed to say, bring out the Zamboni, that's utter disappointment, man. I, well, that's I know, but I, I didn't realize. But, okay, so it leads to a, the cool tweet from, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to this to this young lady, this, this 10-year-old. We're going to have a chat about broadcasting, so I, I think it was just cool she didn't realize. But I realized... I figured I'd tell you guys the story of where that call originated from, right? So we're doing a game. I'm, I'm working for a team that Tim Woodburn also worked for one time, the Birmingham Bulls. And Olaf Jenstead, Ole Jenstead, he was number 61 for us. Great guy. Ole Jenstead in overtime picks the puck up inside our own zone, skates it up the left wing, cuts it through center, goes into the opposing team zone, and Behind the net to the right, where the Blues were shooting at, that's when we had an end zone entrance for the Zamboni, right? And the Zamboni was just kind of parked just behind the glass. The doors would open up, and 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 the Zamboni would come on. Ole Jenstead goes coast to coast, scores the goal, and because they scored the goal right in front of the glass where the Zamboni was parked, I saw the Zamboni, and I just I just said, and you can bring that Zamboni out and circle it all over the ice. And from there, that led to bring out the Zamboni, and I did it. I did it in Springfield when I moved up to the American Hockey League. And, you know, one of my bosses at the time said, I'm not so sure that'll work. And, and before too long, we had some people bringing signs that said, bring out the Zamboni. I said, I think we'll keep it. To the point that even when, when one of the going away gifts, that the same guy that said that gave me a going away gift that had bring out the Zamboni uh, inscripted on it. But, but that's kind of where it started. I just think it... It's it's kind of cool, and Tim, you as a guy that's done play by play before, you get this too. You get a young fan or a kid like that that says, "Hey, wait a minute, you didn't do something right." I think those are cool moments. Those are real fun moments as a broadcaster. I had some, and I kid you not, her name was Louise, and she was eighty-one years old. Because I ended up calling her, and the one year I spent in Birmingham as a broadcaster, she actually, with a tape recorder, recorded the conversation. Because I was getting on her nerves with how many times I used the word whack. And Kerber whacks it out of the zone, and Hadley whacks it back in, and Kerber whacks it back out, and Hadley whacks it back in. And she actually wrote down and listened to and wrote down, and she sent me this letter. She said, Tim, I really enjoyed your broadcast. You used the word whack too much. You used the word whack 37 times in the game. You used hammer 19, pound 16, lift 12, rip 10, bomb 10. You know, so, and then she gave me like the play by play whack, whack, hammer, pound, whack, lift, whack, rip, bombs, whack, 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 hammer, whack. But this guy like broke down my broadcast for me, and he just ripped me a new one. And I called her and I said, I had no idea how old Louise is. And I called her, hello, 
Uh, hi, this is Louise. Oh, hi, this is Tim. I recognize your voice. I said, ma'am, I said, I, thank you for listening. I said, I said, how long did it take you to, to record and write down all the number of times I said, wax, hammer, pounds, lifts, rips, bombs, and shovels uh, in one broadcast? She said, oh, it took me all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So when the St. Louis Blues, this is one of the only times I think I just kind of got fed. Like, I, I can honestly tell you that I think I've only gotten fed up with a fan really two times, twice, o- only two times where, where you just lose patience, where you just finally say, okay, you, you need to go away from me now. All right. And we're we're prepping for the draft party. Remember, I've told you before, the only reason that teams have draft parties for for in the National Hockey League is because you're really bad and you're trying to create some excitement for your teams, right? Because let's right. face it, anybody outside of the scouting department or hockey ops tries to tell you they know anything other than the top four or five guys available, they're nuts. All right. I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration. Maybe the top fifteen, but they're outside of that. They're nuts because nobody, unless you're getting paid to, is watching that much junior hockey and paying attention to it, right? Except for scouts. So anyway, we're we're down on the floor, kind of in a production meeting because we're going to connect with 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 uh, with uh, Yarmo Kekalainen after the Blues pick Alex Petrangelo, and we knew that he was going to take Alex Petrangelo. He already told us uh, the way the draft was going to go; those first five picks, all the way to Luke Shen, and he nailed it. And anyway, so we're in this in this conversation and there's this woman standing in, in the front row. We were down at ice level where no ice is on the field. She's probably about 30 feet away. And she's going, crash, crash. It just sounded like a, like a, a parrot that had a bad voice. And then finally I wasn't responding. Kerber, Kerber. I'm like, okay, for what? And then she goes, I need to speak to you. And I said, well, okay, I'm working here. Give me a minute. I'll be right over there. Okay. So I go over very politely. I'm like, sorry, we had to talk about what we're doing. What can I do for you? I just want you to know that here in St. Louis, we use Olympia machines. So every time you say, bring out the Zamboni, you are factually incorrect and you need to fix that. And I said, ma'am, it's June and I no longer have time for you. Go have a nice day. And I walked away. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) that's what was bothering you now. And you, well, oh, I mean, now, wow. now, in actuality, she's right. We do have Olympia machines, okay? But, you know, no, nobody wrote a song that says, I want to drive the Olympia, okay? So, <laughs> I mean, that's the way I look at it. But, yeah, um, but yeah that's the, the, I finally said, okay, like, go home. Like, you, you don't, wow. even, don't even come to this draft party. Go home. Yeah. The last uh, stranger I had talked to me said, uh, can I see your license and registration, please? <laughs> <laughs> And you called him a screwball, offered him some whiskey. and <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I got some fireball here, some whistle pig in the back. Either one of them interested. Uh. Like, like, like the old Stephen Wright joke. I was coming across the Canadian border, and the cop says, you got any arms? I said, what do you need? <laughs> Dude, wait a minute. Okay, speaking of Stephen Wright, you know he's got that great, that great line that said, we had a light switch in our house. It didn't do anything. We just flip it up and down. Nothing changed. One day I got a call from this woman in Germany, and she said, will you cut it out? <laughs> okay. All right. But I tell you that story to tell you this one. I'm sitting in the kitchen about two weeks ago. I'm home. I'm the only one home. Christy's teaching. The girls are at school. And the garage door opens up. I went, what the? Look around. Huh. All right. So I close it. The next day, same time of the day, the garage door opens up. Like, okay. And I and I and I walk and I look at the front door and the neighbor across the street is pulling out of his driveway. I wonder if somehow these frequencies got crossed up. The next day, same time. Now I'm ready for it. Sure enough, the garage door goes up, he pulls out. I went, All right, hang on a minute. When he came home that day, I went over to him, I said, Can I borrow your garage door opener? He goes, Yeah. We hit the button, my garage door my somehow out of nowhere. The frequency for our garage door got hooked up to his garage door opener, and every time they went and left the house, our garage door went up and down. I still still have to figure out how to reset the thing. but All right, fellas, I'm glad this one started off the rails. That way we never had the chance to bring it back on, and I still, for the life of me, can't remember that damn barn burner I was going to tell you, but I thought it was a good one. If I remember later, I'm going to call you guys at 2 in the morning and wake you up. Oh, I look forward to that. There you go. Make sure, oh, make, make sure, make sure you have the uh, yeah. 
Just email the, uh, peanut butter whiskey sitting next to me. I can't just, just email I, me the story, Chris. You have to call me. Just email me. I, I can't believe that we're sitting there. Oh, yeah, I got this great barn burner. And then I decided to tell you a story about ADHD and then forget what the damn barn burner was. <laughs> you, know, you know what? You, know what, you can't write you know that. Iris, you know what Irish Alzheimer's is, Curb? I don't. You forget everything except your grudges. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Well, listen, let's get together again. We'll do it again next week. The Blues hopefully closer to a playoff spot. We'll get around the National Hockey League a little bit more as well. But, um, frankly, the fact that we were able to mention uh, Screwball, Dan and Jay, and uh, get into TBS stuff I think was fantastic. Have an awesome week, fellas, and we'll do it again uh, in a few days. Beautiful. It's Bourbon Biscuits and Barn Burners. Thanks for checking it out. Tell your friends to download it, too, if you enjoyed it. If you want to shoot us, uh, reply to my, me on Twitter, at Chris Kerber. If you got a whiskey you want us to break down for you and try and sample and tell you, give us, uh, give a, us you, give you our thoughts. I can't even spit it out anymore. Easy Time to you, go. Buddy. Yeah, easy. For, I'm, I'm making this job look real easy, real smooth. All right, boys. Have a good week. Talk to you later. Arrivederci. Toodaloo. Ciao.